My name is Jill, and these are my journals out loud. I draw on them to bring you a podcast focusing on those of us who are wired for danger. In both the fight and the fallout, because my heart and mission is to serve you and yours, and what I know to be true as a wired for danger human. The quest for meaning Without a mission we are willing to die for, there is no purpose or meaning to live for. We are not special, but necessary. Our lives are often hard, and they rarely end well. But even knowing all of this, we just can't not do what we were born to do, because we can't stop being who we were born to be. If you are new, I hope you'll listen and see if any of this rings true. And if so, you are not alone. And with that, we are so glad you're here. I've been looking for a place that I'd rather be. I've been searching for my own destiny. I raise my gun to the sky and scream out loud. This is my life. This is my hope. This is what stand for now is the time to let it all out we are the young ones to fight for survival we will watch you like an eye of a fighter we are the young ones to fight for survival we will watch you like an eye of a Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and you are here at Jill's Journals Out Loud. And today is the 14th of May, 2023, and it's Mother's Day. So I first want to say uh, Happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mommies, whether you have real babies or fur babies, or uh, take care of others in some way. Have a lovely, fabulous day. I always... uh, this was the day I would make uh, brunch for my mom and we would uh, have our little routine. And it's uh, something that's not happened for a very, very long time. But uh, it's amazing how fast time is moving. But I wanted to acknowledge that before we launch into the rest of the podcast. And 
We're having a quiet moment here in the morning. I'm waiting for the sun to rise and go do a food and water run as I am here in uh, New Mexico. That is somehow I picked the one spot that was like 10 degrees hotter than everywhere else. So we are baking literally uh, in the sun. And this morning I just got finished watching David Dubine. For those of you who are not familiar with Adapt 2030, uh, you know, I started watching him uh, years ago when I first caught wind of this idea of a grand solar minimum, meaning that there was going to be some big changes and we were moving into an ice age. And uh, in addition to suspicious observers who talk about uh, the uh, the galactic changes, the electric universe, this no sun nova that comes, the reduction of the magnetic field, all these just unbelievably catastrophic, literally cataclysmic, literally events that are up and coming to our world. And what's interesting about them is that there's really nothing you can do. And that is something that is the most frustrating state of being for somebody who's used to wanting to solve problems, who's wanting to push against what we don't want. I did a whole podcast about that, pushing against what you don't want versus what you do want. And most of us, I think it's fair to say, don't want to die and we do want to live. I think that's our most primary push. We push against what we don't want because we don't want to die. And we want the energy, whether we push, pull, or pause towards what we do want, is we want to live. And all of that is being threatened at a local level, at a, you know, whether wherever you are in the world, at some kind of uh, chaos is getting stirred up. Uh, you know, the constant threat now of famine, of money, of illness, of war, of invasion, of personal physical violence, you know, with the great uh, cap to the whole process is cataclysmic. It's, uh, you know, all this stuff dwarfs in in comparison to a global event, a solar system, system, a cosmic galactic event way out of our control. And Uh, At the beginning of his video, it was two parts, he talked about how much people in our previous history knew uh, based on, you know, some of the imagery that did they know and did they understand what was happening uh, at the cosmic electrical current frequency level. And For those who are uh, more into kind of the spiritual warfare aspect, you know, we talk about what's happening right now as a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. Uh, If you are having health issues, it becomes a different kind of battle because without your health, without your cognitive function and your physical capacity and emotional management, you can't really participate in the world in a way that feels comfortable and productive. And uh, so we have all this assault coming from from the micro, you know, me sitting here baking in the sun, uh, 
with maximum discomfort to the macro, right? The sun goes boom and we all just disappear, you know, in a flash. And that is a lot of information between those two points to process. That is a lot of decision to make about how you want to respond to that. Or you don't want to respond to it at all. You just want to disassociate, pause. You just want to run away from it, pull. Uh, It is normal at some point to shut down when there's too much information coming at us. It's not just a galactic sun wave coming at us, right? There's an information wave coming at us. And, you know, I've shared with you before this last week, I have excellent cell coverage. I've not had this kind of cell coverage. I don't even remember, probably since I've been hooked up to the internet. And so I can actually just pick up the phone and I don't have to decide if it's going to work that day because it's been that way for so long that uh, all of a sudden I'm seeing all this stuff, you know, I never listened to or watched uh, because it was just everything I could, you know, my frustration level was so low, I could only, you know, stand to just do the absolute total bare minimum of interacting with the outside world and the TMI, uh, too much information capacity. And we are just amazing, aren't we as humans? We can, there are so many people who can do amazing things. I was watching, you know, I, now I'm getting sent this stuff. There's a, a city, I don't, I think it's in China, where they're walking on this cliff up these crazy ladders of, of metal poles and their villages up there and they're hauling, you know, their 20 pound bags of rice on their back and what looks like a, a wooden chest cabinet or refrigerator or something up there. And, you know, they're doing it in just normal street clothes with crappy shoes. And I'm laughing because, uh, you know, we have all these industry around technical climbing and all the equipment that you need and all the special stuff. And these are just whoever, this one lady, she's just carrying her kid walking up a directly vertical ladder. It's just, it's like a ladder only, they're metal poles instead of, uh, and she's not even holding on to the side. She's just walking up, holding her kid like it's just another day. And, you know, the rest of us would be, you know, shaking in our boots, trying to get up this tiny, tiny, Uh, ladder on this humongous cliff with the death-defying fall. And it's fascinating to me how much differences there are in how we live and the way we live and what we think about and what's important. And, uh, you know, listening to him, to David, talk about these incredibly complex ideas and weave them in and out of all the current events. And, uh, you know, and I talk about that, you know, I like the abstractions. And uh, at the same time, you know, at the end of the conversation, it comes down to uh, safety, right? It's not even comfort that really is the driver in the upcoming concerns. It's just basic safety. Can I eat? Uh, can I survive? Can I not die a, a painful, unbearable death? And regardless of where we are out in the world and what experiencing we're ha- what experience we're having, uh, it's been an unprecedented, uh, as far as we know from our recorded history, 
exposure to all the incredibly different ways we can participate in the world, uh, all the different ways others are participating in the world, all the information that says this is going to probably be happening to you uh, before we just got up and lived because we didn't know about all this other stuff. I mean, there might have been a few people who lived in caves or uh, traveled the world, but most of us just got up and dealt with what was in front of us. And now we have all this judgment and condemnation about people who just get up and do what's in front of them. Uh, But it's not helping to have everybody know all this stuff if we don't adapt, right? If we don't make changes at a global community country level to deal with what's coming. And the reason I'm talking about all this this morning is we have our tiny little window and the two dogs, you know, have resettled and the sun is coming up and I'm, you know, in that tiny window between uh, waiting for the sun to come up, you know, writing in my journal and then launching into the tiny window of the day where it's cool enough where I can get anything done you know, I'm stopping here to talk to you where I can record on my little phone and blast out all over the world. Not that I have people all over the world listening, but I do have people listening far away. And the fact that we can even do that, I can have a thought, I can share it, and anybody in the world can access it. I mean, this is just unprecedented in terms of who we are and how we function within the world today. Uh, It becomes too much. And one of the problems with the fight response is that there's too much to fight. Uh, We pause, we freeze when there's too much to deal with. We run away when there's too much to deal with. We, We may not perceive too much as danger to our nervous system, but there is that part of us, that intuitive, that that little voice, that part of us that may not even be processing the what of it all that has shifted and it's just too much. And then you have the people who yell and then they judge you and condemn you because you can't handle the too much to it all. And there is a terrible cost to pulling in all this information and confronting it. It is too much. It takes you apart in ways that you don't understand until you're down the road from it. And there's no answer, which is the worst thing you can tell, you know, a fight person. Well, you can fight all day long, but uh, there is no real winning. There's the idea you can win the fight, but there's never any real winning in a fight. There's a temporary uh, conclusion. There might be a temporary change. Uh, I picked up a book at the library in, um, where was I? Oh, I don't remember where I was. Okay, so I picked up a book, uh, oh, when I was in Grant's uh, library, and it's, I don't know why a guy wrote it, but this guy is writing uh, the story about a young woman who joined the Civil War 
on the union side dressed as a man. And she and her husband made the decision that someone had to go fight, but she would do it because she was stronger. And so uh, physically stronger, he couldn't see as well. And he just wasn't, he didn't have the fighting spirit the way she did. So uh, she, you know, bound herself up, put on clothes and pulled her hat down low and off she went. And uh, she's doing the right thing, right? She's She's got that I am wired for danger mentality. I'm going to go fight the guy, the rebels. Uh, and this is her story. And, you know, the horrific things that happen to everybody in war. Uh, she hurt her arm and she was at the... Uh, the quote-unquote hospital, <laughs> and the, the soldiers, you know, saying it doesn't matter what's wrong with you. They just saw a part off. If they just, their whole process is what can they cut off? And she's thinking, I don't really want my arm to get cut off. And so she leaves uh, and she finds a, a nurse who kind of bring her nurses her back to health. But how horrific, can you even imagine what it's like to be held down and have a body part side off, right? We have all these movies that depict that. Uh, but that was like real medical treatment. And almost everybody died because, you know, it became infected. I just, you know, I don't even know. It's like, it's just unimaginable, that amount of pain. And it was being done to help. It wasn't being done because somebody wanted to torture you uh, with all the serial killer stuff, right, that we are always seeing about the ways that people can be tortured and the reasons why they torture. You know, this is genuine. People were just trying to help. I can't imagine that being my job, right, sawing people's limbs off while they're awake. It's just unfathomable. Uh, and people were willing to go fight to do the right thing and at the cost that in our modern world, we cannot imagine. But they didn't have very much information, right? It was a tiny little world. It was just a little idea. Good guys, bad guys, right? We're going to go do this one thing. Uh, and all the information that we have, that we can have, uh, was not there to factor into that conversation. It was mostly, you know, you might live or you might die, but all the other stuff, all the atrocity, all the suffering, those kinds of things that the fight brings with it just weren't really part of the conversation unless, you know, you had been exposed to that previously. And people who've been exposed to it went back and would do it again. And so we, we are just wired in such a way that we all respond to things in different ways ways, but not in unnumberable ways. And so all the information in the world doesn't change these very basic primary responses. And so the question, you know, as I'm listening to him make a lot of really good points and talk about these wild abstractions and, you know, even I'm just looking at the map, well, like, am I in a place that's going to be able to grow food or do I need to move, you know, someplace else? We, we always reduce all these things to the most basic, simplest question is how do I survive, right? Because our primary push, our primary pull to be in the world is I don't want to die. What do I need to do to live? And all the other stuff just gets reduced down to these tiny little issues and 
unfortunately, you know, we've created a civilization that says you're not allowed to do a lot of the basic things that are required for you to live. So, uh, and now we're going to make the rest, even what you could do before, you know, collect rainwater, grow food, hunt, even though what's left, we're going to make illegal. And how insane that is, but because we weren't threatened, our survival wasn't threatened for most of our lives, we just didn't think about it. It wasn't important because we never really had that question, how am I going to live? How am I going to survive? You know, I'm sitting out here uh, in the desert, right, on BLM land, and how different everybody's little setup is. And, uh, you know, some guy was here running his generator 24 hours a day, and uh, you know, as usual, I don't see anybody come out of their trailers or RVs. Like, I'm the only person practically out walking around. Uh, and it's always been that way. When I traveled before, like, everybody just gets in their controlled uh, situation, and that's where they stay. I'm like, why are you out here other than it's free, right? In nature, when we still set up tiny little... Uh, control systems. And, and I'm the same way though. There's in the dogs are the same way. Like they, it's the coolest place for them is outside. But what I've noticed, you know, traveling with them in this truck situation is that they don't fully relax and sleep until they get inside someplace, whether it's inside the truck or it's inside the tent or, you know, when I was with the trailer inside the trailer, they just have this shift where they relax and they can go to sleep that they don't have when they're outside. I mean, they do sleep when they're outside, but it's not, they're on alert. Their alert system uh, relaxes. And, you know, in this moment, they feel like they're safe. They don't have to pay as close attention to their survival. Uh, whereas as humans, we almost have never paid attention to our survival. And now we're being flooded with information that says, you know, you better start per paying attention to your basic survival. But by the way, everything's illegal. So there's really not much you can do <laughs> or you can't afford it. Right. Uh, you can't afford most of us can't afford to buy a great big farming or livestock operation. You know, that takes a lot of money. Uh, it takes a lot of, of uh time to learn the process. And yeah, you can make a lot of food that you can grow in your garden. But at the end of the day, you know, that's not protein, that's not fat. Vegetables don't really provide enough fat and protein so that the human body can survive. You know, it can go a little ways on just vegetables and fruit, but it must have protein and fat if it's going to fully thrive as a body. And most of us don't have the ability to do that you know, at, in our current situation. And even if you could raise, you know, a sheep or a goat, uh, I think I read that like, uh, it was a smaller sheep, but that was only 30 pounds of edible meat or even 60 pounds. Uh, that doesn't last very long if you're feeding uh, more than just yourself. And if that's all you're eating, uh, you're looking at a pound a day. I, at one point I had read that the Native Americans were given on the reservation, six, males got six pounds of meat a day, uh, females got three, and I think kids got one. But but that's 10 pounds of meat for, you know, a mom, a dad, and a kid a day. 
we can't even imagine that kind of quantity, right? We speak in ounces. Uh, we speak in fat-reduced ounces. And uh, if you really start thinking about fat, what there aren't that many sources of fat that are high-quality fat. I mean, animals are about it, unless you're... Uh, you know, have olive trees, uh, pinion nuts have fat in them, uh, you know, chicken eggs have fat in them, you know, dairy has fat in it. But it's it's very difficult to round up fat in a subsistence world. And, you know, these are basic, basic survival questions that uh, we really don't talk about because everyone just says grow a garden, right? I mean, that's the extent of our uh, food survival planning. Grow a garden. Oh, oh, you can trade for meat. Well, who's going to grow all the meat, right? So uh, so this is, you know, me in a roundabout way talking about something that, as I've shared with you, you know, these wild abstractions, and I share with you these core simple survival questions, uh, we are just in a moment of time, unlike, I think, almost any other, because even if our predecessors did understand the electrical galactic cosmic changes that are maybe represented in these imagery, most people didn't. They just got up and took care of business. And that business really was just basic survival. They didn't feel this overwhelming threat to how are we going to feed ourselves until there was a direct impact, you know, whether it was war or uh, weather or, you know, some kind of climate event that they didn't understand, like a volcano had gone off or, you know, things that weren't in their information sphere. But they certainly understood more about basic survival than any of us ever will, no matter how fully prepared we think we are and how at the end of the day, it really just comes down to such incredibly simple, simple processes, like being a mom and a dad, right? Taking care of who you're responsible for. Uh, just simple things like, am I going to be able to eat? And if I can eat, am I going to be able to get my simple core ingredients? Like if I don't have protein and fat, I don't live forever. I mean, that's a huge problem. Uh, and how am I going to feed my damn dogs, right? who've gotten so picky, I think my head's going to explode. So it is an amazing time to be alive, and it's a terrifying time to be alive because we're, we're being crushed with all this information, and almost all of it, depending on which, uh, which channel you're tuned into, the one that's what's happening out in the world versus the here's how to distract yourself from what's happening out in the world, right? This one, I saw this one thing. It was, this guy had a, a flashlight in the camera and all you saw him was waving around. But at the end of it, he was drawing skeletons, each in a different color, like doing different things. It was a line of skeletons. It was incredible. Like, how did this guy ever learn how to do that? Now, do I need to know this? Absolutely not. Was that like a wasted three minutes of my life? Absolutely. Uh, versus, but, you know, three minutes watching, you know, the Chinese who understood these galactic events still doesn't change anything for me, right? So, 
when we're faced with with anything, we have a nervous system response. We are built to to uh, function between these two systems, the sy- sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. And it's fascinating to watch a lot of this uh, electrical data ideas because they're two current electrical streams that are intertwined. And that's basically what our nervous system is, two electrical streams intertwined in our body that create all this information and response and function and connect us to the universe, right? Connect us electrically. But none of that changes the basic reality that what am I going to eat today? How am I going to take care of the dogs, right? What am I going to do? What am I going to think about? And we have to make decisions within the context of all of this. And I I really believe that the most important thing isn't what decision that you make, but it's more uh, purposeful. We are in the decisions that we choose and how that's going to impact us because it's just too much. You can't fight everything. And no amount of fighting changes anything. There is no war that ever results in no more war. It's just an endless cycle. And everything is an endless cycle. And so the more and more I listen to all of this, everybody's ideas and stuff, you know, it's fascinating, but none of it, none of it, none of it changes anything at the end of the day that doesn't include uh, how am I going to deal with my day? And my day is going to be a series of responses to the, the tiny stresses. You know, the heat is a big stress. Uh, what am I going to eat? Tiny stress until there is no food, then it's a big stress, right? Water, uh, tiny stress until it's a big stress. Uh, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to decide who I want to be in the world and how I'm going to function? And am I going to fight everything or am I going to run away from it? Or if I going to freeze up? Or am I going to find a way to move into the parasympathetic response that says, okay, well, all this stuff is happening. Let's just face it head on and move through it as if I am the eye in the storm. And that is the level of absolute mastery is to understand this tiny relationship that's everything between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic to intentionally move with in our nervous system purposefully versus the constant pulling, tugging, and reactivity of everything around us. Uh, And nobody has any control over that other than you. Yeah, there's lots of things other people and nature and systems can do to zap us in our nervous system. But at the end of the day, we still get to make a decision about how we want to respond. You know, if somebody, if you drop the hammer on your toe, it's going to hurt, you're going to yell, but it's not a permanent state of pain. It's not a permanent state of shock. Then you get to decide what you want to do after and how you want to manage it. Uh, That's the only thing that makes sense to me is that we can't put all of our fight and our energy into responding constantly to everything around us, no no matter what our response is, whether we don't want to deal with it, whether we want to kill it, or whether we want to just pretend like it's not happening. 
This is the consistency that crosses all time and all life forms and all kinds of consciousness. And to me, that's where the answer lies, not in the details of what's happening out in the world around us, but our response to it and understanding who we are responding to it is the most powerful thing we own because that's the only thing that we can change and manage ourselves. So that's just my take this morning as uh, we prepare for our next day here in our tiny space on an endless journey into the vast uncertainty of what this future holds. But there are certain things I know. We have to eat today. We have to drink today. Uh, I actually think I got some sleep last night. It's been a terrible process with no sleep. And uh, talking to you in my phone that is blasting out around the world. It's just fascinating to me. But just something to think about. I just wanted to touch base. Hopefully we'll be getting more. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to stay here, though. I can't. This heat is too much. The boy dog is not tolerating it. The girl dog can take it. I can take it. I'm not functional. I just have to sit here and wait for the terrible heat to pass. But the boy dog is acting like he's dying. So uh, I'm not sure what we're doing or where we're going. But in this moment of time, I have awesome cell signal. So I thought I would say hi uh, and end with deep breath, my friends. Happy Mother's Day to those of you who are mommies. And I will see you next time. <laughs>